Hi everyone. Welcome to the lost generation outside of the mainstream. My name is William Hooker. I am a musician, poet, and part of this generation of artists. My goal with this podcast, which is being broadcast on its own YouTube channel and my website, williamhooker.com, is to introduce you to many of the musical artists that are outside of the mainstream and have made important artistic contributions to our culture. I have also interviewed producers of the music and many fans and supporters of this work. My guests are sharing what makes this art form unique and significant. I hope these conversations will inspire you to listen to the music, which may change you and the way you view music, which again is outside of the mainstream. Today, I'll be interviewing Sarah Manning, saxophonist, composer, and band leader. I hope to be airing new interviews on the first of each month. We are presenting these interviews, and we have so many amazing interviews coming up that you will be hearing in the future. This is The Lost Generation, outside of the mainstream. This is a story that needs to be told. Sarah, it's such a pleasure to have you here. Thank you for having me. Um, I'd like for you to uh, briefly uh, tell us about yourself and tell us about some of your music, very briefly, so that we get uh, an understanding of who you are as a saxophonist, composer, band leader, etc. Sure. Um, well, uh, I'm a saxophonist and composer, and I've kind of moved away from more of the straight-ahead scene over the years into more of improvised and experimental music mm-hmm. in the last few years. And right now I'm working on um, exploring women's anger in music um, through a piece called Transmuting Anger and a larger multimedia work that um, I hope will debut in the next couple of years that's going to involve... Um, a written score and curated imagery and also um, the work of a, a journalist who's written a book about, or an author and activist who's written a book about women's anger. Huh. And what instruments do you play? I just play saxophone and I just play alto. I kind of made a conscious decision, um, you know, over the years uh, I briefly played the flute and uh, experimented with doubling, but I kind of found that in alto um there's just so much that i want to do with the instrument um and uh so it's it's something that i'm really only focused on all right and you did mention that you um prior to this you did mention that you were from originally from connecticut but then you moved to the bay area Mm -hmm. um is that um uh, oakland san francisco area yeah the north yeah, I lived in Berkeley um, for, uh-huh. for five years and um, kind of got my start there as a musician just playing around town. And um, I studied with Rufus Reed at uh, William Patterson, and he connected me to Akita Tana, uh, the drummer. And so I got to play with him a bit when I was in the Bay Area. And um, just, uh, yeah, it was, it was a great experience and 
we, we have been talking about this uh, before about just taking time away from the city and urban setting and, mm -hmm. and kind of um, finding space in, in, in your life and then translating that to music. So for me, that was in the Bay Area kind of the perfect balance. Um, right, right. Because I would go out to Point Reyes National Seashore on yes, the weekends and, and see whales and things like that. <laughs> so um, I definitely miss that being in New York, but I try to find the space. Uh, the space is here. Um, you know, birds and things that, you know, you can spotting hawks and uh, just being in the park and all that kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Beautiful. It's beautiful. Yeah. Um, I'm going to ask you just a general question. And uh, you could take it wherever you like, um, maybe one or two questions. And then after that, uh, we'll explore some musicians that you may know of the 70s uh, generation, because this is really entitled The, um, the Lost Generation um, Outside the Mainstream. Because I'm really con trying to concentrate on that particular time in the music. And after that, I'm going to ask you about some of the things that you turned me on to at our um, session, which really dealt with the history of women in music. Mm -hmm. That was so enlightening for me. I did. I had no idea what you were talking about, and I'd like to. I would definitely want to share that and document that as well, because sure. you really like killed it. You killed it. I was like, what is she talking about? Who are these people? <laughs> Mm -hmm. But <laughs> I, you remember. Um, my first question to you would be: um, What basically are you trying to express or achieve through the music that you play and write? I think that um, I'm trying to see this as and music as an it's an ongoing process of inquiry. Um, so I'm trying to, you know, get outside of myself and also to, right now I'm particularly interested in what would my music sound like or what would music sound like without a patriarchal system. So what does that mean? Because all of the, the critique of music, um, all of the kind of gatekeepers and all of the history and theory um, has primarily focused on men in the music. So what would that sound like if you're not coming from that experience or, or those rules, if you were. So okay. I don't know exactly what that means, but I've also, um, I'm really interested in mystical surrealism and particularly the painting of um, uh, the painter Remedio Sparo, um, who's a Spanish painter um, and um, and lived in Mexico as well. And she kind of grapples with well, in surrealism, you're trying to awaken the un the unconscious and the subconscious through juxtaposing imagery in, in certain ways. And so you're dealing with the reality of the structure that we have, right. but you're also trying to get beyond it by putting things together in unique ways. So trying to take that idea of like jagged phrases and um, different sounds of instruments and, okay. and using that to kind of get at this um, different way of looking at things. That you called mystical surrealism. Yeah, it's a yeah, it's a it's an art. Um, it's kind of a a subset, I guess, of, of surrealism okay. generally. Yeah. Okay. But the mystical part of it comes from inspiration from like alchemy and um, sure. archetypes and things like that. Sure. And who uh, who again was the um, was the painter that you mentioned? Remedio Sparrow. 
Um, Faro. How do you spell it? Uh, it's V-A-R-O. Yeah, oh. Faro. Okay. So, yeah, Remedios Faro. And she, um, she was, I think she lived to be about 50, 60 years old in, in the 1960s. Um, and she has a large body of work that's really arresting. Um, and I, I saw one of her paintings uh, at the um, Museum of Women's Art in Washington, D.C. And then I sort of kind of went down that path of finding out more about her and her wow. work. Women's, uh, women's art, huh. I'll have to visit that. I'll definitely have to visit that. Um, what challenges are you um, finding as far as... Um, the musicality you're trying to explore, um, separate from the the rules that mm -hmm. gen, that that really um, dominate who gets a gig, who doesn't, who gets recognized, who doesn't. I, I'm really trying to figure out from you and I played we played together. What are those problems that you feel you have to deal with? I think just and I think this this is what has what I've loved about improvised music and experimental music in general is it addresses the problem of um, you want to, to still have like history and lineage in your music and understand what came before, but also um, find something that's your own. Um, and the challenge is um, how can you, uh, you know, if you're thinking about shapes and texture, that's one way of getting, getting okay. around around like you know specific melodic quotes or things like that that you might do in a more conventional setting but it's always about um conveying a you know emotion but and trying not not to use artifice if, if that makes sense so it's like not not being um using a like tropes or or just just um mm -hmm. getting beyond cliche or and all of that kind of thing okay. But so if you but if you if you want to get beyond like harmony and, and tradition, but also still be connected to something, that's that's a big challenge. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Sure. Do you is that do you find that as a barrier, or do you see that as a way to take you out of yourself? Because so, yeah. a lot of people, I would think that they would say, "Oh no, I can't, I can't deal with this." Then they just like close down, they shut down. How do you how do you approach that problem? I think that in many different ways. yeah, I approach it. Um, I'm struggling to figure out how to approach it from a harmonic perspective, but Beautiful. from uh -huh. from a from a sound perspective, I'm very focused on just getting a certain sound from my instrument and in all the capabilities of it. And the way that the saxophone is acoustically, um, the physics of the instrument, you you can. Um, you can get to a place where with overtones and things like that where you're 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 kind of you're emoting or you you're pushing forward like a voice what's happening but you're not necessarily um you're you you can get multiple pitches or sometimes at the same time but also just yeah. different sounds um with the same uh fingering on the instrument so you can kind of transcend the instrument itself but it's it's um it's it's a challenge yeah it's i think it's 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 trying to just forget yourself when you're playing but also be connected enough that you're listening to everybody else yeah right <laughs> so yeah and you're taking them with you yeah absolutely taking yeah. us with you yeah or or they're taking you know that's that's a great thing about improvised music is that you know people will, will make a move and step forward and 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 take it somewhere and then you you can go with them or you you don't have to but it's, <laughs> it's a, but it's you. like yeah i got you it's always that kind of balance all right, now back to this patriarchal situation you mentioned. 
Um, because I, for one, think that I'm seeing more and more um, women really like stepping up to the plate. I'm seeing it more and more. Is this an illusion that I'm seeing, or how do you interpret? How do you interpret what what I think is happening, as opposed to what you know is happening based on you know the road you're traveling? Well, it's an interesting thing um, yeah. because I think that it's not that women are stepping up. It's uh -huh. women have always been stepping up. It's just that now um, more people are paying attention, and there's a certain amount of just as our society is as you know. I mean, obviously we're we're regressing in many ways, uh -huh. um, but we're also progressing forward. And so, just like you see with with Congress, more um, more women running for office. It's women have always been running for office, um, but um, now they're being more successful, and that's bringing more women in to run for office. So, so it's it's women have always been in the history of the music. They just yes. haven't. They've been ignored largely and not written into history. And so, um, it's not that women have suddenly become more talented or interested oh, in yeah, the music. No, yeah. It's that it's just that um, that you know there there is more attention being paid, and then that starts to be kind of snowball. Okay. Um, and then you also have things um, that are happening, just like with Winter Jazz, for example. They joined the Keystone Initiative, which is looking for a, a gender parity in, in group leaders by a certain year. I, a key change, I'm sorry. I think it's key change. Okay. Um, and so I think it's, it's, they're looking for a certain amount of, over, over the years, to have more women leading bands at the festival. Um, okay. And okay. So, so that's a, a change as well, because they're actively seeking out women who... May have been on the on the margins um, to bring them into the festival, and then people are saying, "Oh, yeah, wow, that's great! My Let's do more." Though, sir, my question, <laughs> yeah. though, are mm -hmm. these people outside the mainstream that they're choosing, or are they people that are basically uh, have been given the stamp of approval mm. of the men, mm -hmm. and or no, I won't even say the men, just the people who run this whole situation, and, and is that the reason why? Uh, those people have access to those gigs because they, in fact, have been given the stamp of approval by the writers of quote-unquote history. How does that work? Right. Well, there, and how are you yeah. going to approach it? How are you going to fight back? Well, <laughs> well um, yeah, yeah I, I think that uh -huh. what's interesting about what you said is the, yeah. that you hit on something which I do think is true, which is that when you measure people, and this goes for any anybody, um, it's not just gender specific, but when you're talking about people who are moving an art form forward, um, there's always people who are going to, um, people writing about Coltrane and, and Downbeat and, you know, and saying horrible things about his playing. Um, and um, because they didn't have a framework to measure it against. So if, if you're talking about a, a framework, um, you're, you're right. There are, there are always going to be artists who are, um, not pushing uh, the envelope and that are being elevated because you can point it and say, well, they're just, they sound like this person who we've already said is, is, is valid. Right. I got so, it. So, and that definitely have to, happens to, um, to women artists. It's easier to, to be able to say, I mean, if you look at reviews of women, they often will, will say, um, uh -huh. you, they'll, instead of taking that player's playing on face value, they're going to say, um, this is who they studied with. This is their teacher, Go. and that's the way to be va to validate them. So I think that um, there's always been um, innovative artists that have kind of managed to get through 
at you know in some way or the other mm -hmm. but it is true that especially with uh, festivals and just the industry in general um, the framework is built on this one model that works and you see this all the time with mainstream jazz festivals with um, you know they bring in pop artists and, and things like that to kind of fill the seats Okay. And so unless we, we challenge that and say we need to build a different audience, right. that's going to keep happening. And that's what you're doing, I assume. Well, um, yeah. I mean, it's, it's as an artist, um, you know, ultimately I just want to play and, and be myself as, as a musician and, yeah, and just yeah. in that path. But at the same time, um, remaining you know, silent about these kinds of issues, it's not good either. So it's, you, you have to, I've kind of gotten to a place where, you know, I, I'm pursuing what I want to do as an artist and saying, you know what, I'm not going to just try to fit into this system the way it is. Because great, that, great, I've sir. done that for a long time, and right. I realize that ultimately that's not going to get me, it, the system's not changing. So but, so you have to kind of get outside of it. Right, right, and, right. And then, um, and then try to, you know, go, go from there. So, but I have been writing and speaking about it some. I wrote an op-ed um, for Jazz Right Now, um, that called out some of the uh, sexism in the industry and also or experience I had with my former record label. I'll have to um, read that. But, um, when, when did it come out? Uh, November of 2017. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, and there are a lot of uh, women who are doing more, but I think that the other thing is just, um, as you, you mentioned, it, it's, you know, we're, in, in, we're as musicians, like, we don't have like an HR. We don't have a. We don't have like a. We're not corporate. We're we we just hire people based on who we know and like we're friends and things like that. And and, who can and play. that too. Yeah. But yeah. but yeah. if you're going but you're but if you're going and you're hiring just from your social circle and and your social circle is all other men, then the that you have to actively go out and meet new people and you know men need to kind of do that to find these players right. and it, it'll be better for the music as a whole because the audience will expand. Now, that's interesting that you mentioned that, because my thing is, um, how do you feel about the word hiring? How do you feel mm. about that? When, especially when you, when you go to, as, as I try to, um, I try to go to another level of communication with the people that are in the group. Right. Right? So, when you're hired, when, just how do you feel about that? That whole hiring, firing I got this gig and, you know, that seems to be an old paradigm. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree that it's, an, I mean, I think that also with improvised music, there is more of an egalitarian, I, it feels more democratic generally because you're not saying here's this w one person who's the band leader and everyone accompanies them. Right, it's right. more like, you know, everyone has a voice and it's that compilation of, it's the, the collective is better than each individual part. Uh -huh, uh -huh. Um, so I, I agree with that. But I guess what I, what I mean in, in terms of just when you're seeking out people is that, um, that, you know, you have to look beyond your social circle to find to find new and innovative musicians. And also, I, I think that working with people who are um, decent human beings is also something that has been a, a learning experience. Thank you, Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> and that, but that's the thing, too. It's, it, it's we're, you know, we're creating together, and um, that no matter how great somebody is as a talent, if, if they're not a decent human being, it, it does inhibit the music. I really believe that. All right, we're going to uh, take a brief break and then we're going to go into the second part, which is my asking you specific people, and uh, you could tell me about their music. 
Okay. Not about them as personalities. Sure, sure. If they messed over you or whatever. <laughs> I don't want to know that part. I want to know how you feel about their music and uh, and that there are other people that you can think of because a lot of times I ask people and they say, I don't know that person. I don't know that person. There may be people that you know of that you could turn us on to. Sure. And it, it, it can work like that. Zena Parkins. I know of her and I don't know that much about her music. Um, let's see. John Paul Borelli. Also don't know. So I feel like we're going to probably run into a lot of people that I don't know. All right. Simply because I've come to the improvised side of music a little bit late. So I'm still discovering a lot of musicians. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, geez, I wish I, had, I wish I had asked you for a list. Did I ask you for a list? No. No, I didn't ask you. Okay. Um, you did bring in uh, Brigham Krause. Yes. Um, would you tell me something about his original music? Because I know him as a monster player. Yes. There's no doubt about that. Multi-instrumentalist. Would you tell me something about his music? Sure. Um, I think Briefly. that... Yeah, I think that his... The way he approaches a saxophone is... is unlike anyone that I've ever heard before. And I think he approaches it um, with shape and sound, of, and texture. Alto. alto. He doesn't okay. play tenor. Okay. Um, and I think that um, so much, of, like he's done a number of solo projects and he's working on a solo record at the moment, but it's all about taking this instrument and oftentimes he sounds like a guitar. Um, so he plays, he actually plays guitar in, in one of my groups. Okay. Um, and what has been fascinating about that is because I hear his alto playing in his guitar playing, and he he often does sound like a guitar when he's playing alto. So he's someone who's really taken the saxophone to a different level. I see. All right. Um, uh, let's see. Are you acquainted with um, Amina Kwadi Myers? I know who she is, but I don't I don't know her music very well. Or let's say Nicole Mitchell. Um, yeah, yeah. Have you heard her? Yeah, um, and I think that, yeah, I think that she's, uh, I, I don't really feel like I can speak to her music so much, um, uh-huh. but I would say that um, just the projects that she puts together, she's thinking on multiple levels beyond the, just, just, there, there's so much depth to her projects. I but, see. Yeah. Well, when you, when you say depth, how do you mean? Um, just thinking about music in multiple dimensions like we were talking about this actually at our our when we got together and, and played but yeah. this idea of titles or like that the music okay, itself yeah. can be informed by history or, or or a cultural moment or something like that so i feel like she's definitely an artist who 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 is who adds those dimensions to her music you mentioned something at our first meeting that i thought was very illuminating you, you told me about someone that was in Duke Ellington's band, and I'll ne- I forgot her name. It was actually, um, yeah, it was actually mm-hmm. Lil Hardin. And Lil? Lil Hardin, yes. Okay. And she was in, in Louis Armstrong's Hot Five. Okay. And um, a piano player and composer, and um, she wrote, you can look up on Wikipedia now, and it's still attributed to Louis Armstrong, but um, she wrote Stratton Some Barbecue, as well as a number of other compositions. And it's only been recently that she's, that's been attributed to her. Um, so she's a very early uh, woman on 
some of the earliest recordings that we have. And, and name some others that you know of that, that are in that uh, historical, that are coming out of that historical branch of the tree that is about what we're talking about. Sure. Well, um, Melville Liston is a okay. trombonist. Um, okay. So um, she's a bit later. And then also International Sweethearts in Rhythm, just as a band, um, which is a, a, a big band that featured just women. Um, How many people? Um, standard big size, big band size. I'm not so maybe like 16. 15, 16? Yeah, yeah. Really? Yeah, and, and also, okay. um, so the, I want to say I'm going to get my dates wrong, but okay. this would be um, probably early 40s, but I, I might be a little bit off on that, so... Okay. I will look this up afterward and find out wrong. But um but we were talking about after World War Two that when um women took on a lot of roles in factories, but also during World War Two they they took on roles in big bands and there were actually many big bands in the US that, that featured were all women. Um and um international sweethearts of rhythm is particularly noteworthy because they're um they're white women and black women in the band. Okay. So one of the first bands that was integrated at that period of time. And they're traveling? So, and they're traveling, and they're, so okay. they're dealing with both sexism and racism on the road. So they definitely had death threats, and so they're really um, just, and, and what I find the most amazing about it is that I didn't know anything of this history at all, and I still don't know a lot, right, um, right, because right. it wasn't taught in school. And when I say by school, I actually, I mean, I, I have mixed feelings about when arts are taught in school environments anyway, in academic environments, because of, um, you know, they can, there can be like a sort of theoretical analysis that is applied that doesn't really um, work. I agree. <laughs> but, I agree. But, but hearing, but studying jazz and jazz history in school and then, you know, not learning about the International Sweethearts for them, for example, and... Uh -huh. um, these players that have been around for a really long time. So. Uh, there's a person that I must mention that had a profound effect on me. Her name is Barbara Donald. I don't know her. Yeah, I will have to. I will have to look her up. Barbara Donald was. Um, you must. Uh, she's profound. She is profound. I mean, in the sense of her, her approach to the music, and she was totally outside the mainstream. Uh, not of my my generation, but when I first saw her play uh, with Prince Lasha and um, Sonny Simmons mm -hmm. and um, Charles Moffat, mm -hmm. those people, um, she she uh, she's the person you have to check out. Yeah, All right. I'm gonna think of others. Um, uh, name name a couple of women that you know that are on the scene now that you think have a profound outside interpretation of this music. I don't want those that are like, you know, I could pick up downbeat and read about them. I don't want Sure. Them. Well, Matana Roberts, for Matana Matana Roberts, okay. for example. Okay. So, she's um What about her music? Well, um again, she's for me that she's multidisciplinary. So, she's a saxophonist and she also she has gone in and done field recordings um through um some, for some of her projects. Um and she also takes um photography and uh, imagery. She's done an ex exhibit at the Whitney called I Call America. Okay. Um, so she's thinking about music in multi-dimensions. She makes collages. And um, she's always operated in a framework that's kind of outside the mainstream. I, believe, I, yeah. I, I agree, because uh, she's from Canada. 
Um, I didn't know that, but I know that she's. I just she's uh, someone I deeply admire, and and um, she's just also. I know she's lived on a houseboat before in Sheepshead Bay, um, and so she's had all these experiences that, to me, it's like this I- idea of of living your life as an artist in every dimension. Oh, okay, all right. Every dimension, yeah. We'll talk about her a little <laughs> bit later because I came across her with the Acid Mother uh, Temple Acid Mothers, I believe. What's the name of that group? Uh, and, yeah, you, yeah, you know, sure. you know that crew? I'm not sure that I... All right, well, that's, that's a Canadian yeah. crew. Okay. Um, give me another one, please. Um, well, I think there's a lot of interesting younger players coming up. Um, and uh, that are, again, operating in different I think she's in her late 20s, early 30s. Okay. Um, I've been playing with her a little bit recently, and she's coming from um, the improvised tradition, but also she's also got a foot in indie rock and other kinds of genres. Okay. So, so, yeah. And again, like someone who's like very interested in textural kinds of sounds from the guitar. I have a problem with texture. My problem with texture is that usually people that play with texture, this is my opinion, and you can you can straighten me out. People that play with texture, they really don't know how to play. I mean, seriously. I mean, when I say don't know how to play, they're they're into this 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 thing like this. But like I've seen people be into this thing like this, like a Sonny Chirac perhaps. Mm-hmm. And when he decides to actually like play notes he could do both but there's these people a lot of people are these textural guitarists oh I'll give you texture as soon as they say that to me I don't want to play with them well, I don't know why yeah she's definitely not that kind of guitarist <laughs> I don't know why she, she definitely could play she could have, she play, she's a great player so she she can play melodic and you she's a composer yeah. I understand what you're saying and I think that that's an, it's an interesting point it's it's what you're what it feels like to me is that um I, I think that you have to have mastery of your instrument to get to a place where you can kind of get past that. Um, the you you have to have a certain kind of mastery in order to 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 oh. be abstract. I think um, because otherwise it's not grounded in the abstraction is not grounded in anything. So it's like you know people always say you have to know the rules in order to break them or something like that. So I'm not oh. sure that I'm not I'm not like sure exactly how much of, of a particular rule system or but just with an instrument um just being able to control your pitch and and to make your to as a saxophonist to 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 lose con- not lose control but sound like you're losing control of the pitch or to create the pitch going all different directions and, right, and right. you have to have a, a command of your instrument otherwise it's meaningless because you're just you know you're right. yeah Thank so that's you. that's what I, I feel like we agree on. In the same, we're coming from the same place. I just haven't met those other people that you have to turn me on to. <laughs> I just mean meeting people like I'm going to do some textures. I don't like. Please stop. But that. But you see, that's my own. Give me another one, please. Uh, hi, I'm Kim. She's a, a cellist, um, and she's um, she's based in Seattle now. But she was here in New York, and she um, did some work for she has an album on, on, on John Zorn's label um, and she's an improvising musician but she's uh-huh. also very rooted in um, 
in modern composition, like okay, coming go. from her, and so new music. Um, and so she's she's someone who has, um, yeah, is just a really exceptional composer. Interesting. Um, and that's it's also you know I find like the people that I'm at least uh, that I really want to emulate or just learn more about as artists are. Uh -huh. Are coming from more of a holistic perspective, so it's not just one genre. They're they're kind of thinking about music or art generally in a more holistic way. Okay, because I have worked with uh, Okio, mm -hmm. mm -hmm. um, and um, uh, and she's cellist, mm -hmm. uh, as well as uh, do you know David Levin? I don't know David Levin, but I know Okio. Yeah. Okay. But I know her um, playing. Let's see. Give me another one. Um, you're putting me on the spot here. Yeah, well, well it's just that if I do those, and like, all right, then, I'll, I'll give you okay. some. I'll give yeah, you yeah. some. And you can just say, I don't know. Right. Well, no, no, it's okay. I, I could come up with some more. Right. Right. This is like a bass player, uh, Linda O. Like, you may have heard her name, but she's a. a is she a outside bass the player. mainstream? She is not as much as, uh, but she is <laughs> moving. But she is moving. See, this is where a lot of people are moving into the outside of the mainstream. So she comes from Why? more of the mainstream. Why I don't know. Why do you think that? I, well, she's, she's been playing more at the Stone and places you know, where there is a little bit more experimentation. Um, why, why do you think people are moving outside yeah, the mainstream? Well, well, is it because all of a sudden they realize that they get paid a rent, so maybe I'll take chances? And some people, they just mm -hmm. start off taking chances, like a Will Connell. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to take chances. I don't care. You see, I respect that. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think that there has been, I mean, I do pay attention somewhat to some of the mainstream magazines about jazz. And I am seeing more interest in music that is outside the mainstream in some more than I have before, which is not necessarily like any kind of sea change in the music. Okay. But okay. I do find it I do find it really interesting that, for example, Nels Klein, the guitar player, who's in Wilco, so he's in a very mainstream band, like his idea of like, at least in my mind, of the most fulfilling situation to play in is to play for twenty people at the stone when he's on touring on main you know, big stages sure. the rest of the time. So I, I think that, um, you know, we're all doing what we can, so it's, it's okay. we have to, some people, it's not necessarily, I don't know, I, I've made the decision that I don't want to play restaurant gigs anymore, because, partly because I wasn't, it wasn't fulfilling, but partly also because I just got to a point where I'm not a player who's going to go in and be able to, like, just step into that role, um, and so it, it's sort of that decision is made. I'm not a, a chameleon as a player. Okay. So okay. and I so I think that players who are more like that, that it's easier for them to fulfill multiple roles. And why not, you know, play some more mainstream music to to I pay the you. rent. I hear you. But I think for me, I just it's not something that you know. Uh, I I feel like I always stick out. You know, sound wise, it's gonna. I just. I'm not going to be able to just hop on the recording and play the, you know, okay, let's We're play this, this the 1970s style saxophone solo in this, you know, that's just not me. All right, then. okay, all right, good. <laughs> but I don't fault players who can do that and then okay. step out. So, so yeah, because we're all just trying to, to make it work somehow. Well, you know, you know um, talking with you is very illum uh, illuminating for me because I guess it's because uh, I'd like to see people that are are challenging my way of thinking, and also uh, also 
challenging uh, my own mindset, mm -hmm. opening my mind up to what's going on out here as well. And I got to say, I really do hope that you and I can be playing more together. That would be wonderful. And you're going to be introducing me to people that you know. I'll introduce you to people that I know. And uh, we continue this dialogue about what this, what this present time means for both of us. Yeah. Because it's very important. There's yeah. a lot of things going on in terms of the world, the vibe that's happening in this music, who's coming into the music, who's, not, who's choosing not to stay, stay um, set and sedentary. And uh, we just have to keep it moving, moving forward. And I really am glad that I think that you're one of the people that's going to help do that. Well, thank you. I think I, we I, all need to work together and just have these conversations because the last thing we need is, I mean, when there's so much against the music generally, um, right. the last thing, artists talking amongst themselves is the most powerful thing that can be, that can be done. Yeah. Sarah, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in. In months ahead, you will have the opportunity to hear from many more Lost Generation artists and supporters. The audio-only version is available wherever you get your podcast. If you haven't already, make sure to subscribe to hear upcoming episodes. <laughs>